Bibles with me tonight, and let's turn to Acts chapter 1. And as I mentioned this morning, um, Pastor's been going through for the past several weeks, past several Sunday evenings, he's been preaching messages which focus on evangelism. So I thought that I would continue that, that theme tonight. And uh, so let's look at Acts chapter 1 together. And I'll ask you, you can remain seated as we read. We're going to read the first 14 verses. So you can go ahead and remain seated. Acts chapter 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. I want you to be very careful there and note that word commandments that he had given. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. When they, therefore, were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And when they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven." Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room, where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women uh, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Let us pray. Our Father, as we come together tonight, once again we ask that you would quiet us, and Father, that you would open our hearts to your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be the instructor of God's word, that you would teach us, that you would reveal truth unto us, and I pray that you would strengthen us and empower us that we might go forth as witnesses for Christ in this town, uh, in this area, and even unto the uttermost parts of the earth through our missionaries. Bless us now, we pray, as we, as we study your word tonight, and uh, bless our fellowship and our time. We ask that all that we do would bring glory and honor unto the name of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, for the past several Sunday evenings, Pastor has been preaching messages focusing on evangelism. And as a church, we need to be much more active in seeking the lost of our community. Every place we go, everyone we meet, every occasion that God presents to us, 
We need to be constantly aware of the need to be a witness for Christ. This is so easily forgotten. And it's so easy to become so caught up in our daily lives that we forget that the reason we are here is to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. Throughout the New Testament, we find God's people busy in this very work, the work of witnessing and preaching the gospel. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 1, we read, After these things, the Lord appointed other seventy also, and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, whether he himself would come. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 33, we read, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 42, we read, And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 7, we read, And the word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 5, we read, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. In Acts 8.35, we read, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And in Acts chapter 8 and verse 40, we read, But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So we see here that, that the disciples and, of, of Jesus were very faithful to be witnesses for Christ. The disciples of the Lord filled their cities and their nation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So much so that they shook the world with the gospel. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 6, we read, And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren up to the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. So we see that the disciples of Jesus in this first church at Jerusalem were so faithful in this matter of witnessing for Christ that according to the words of the heathen in that time, they were turning the world upside down. Now, we understand tonight, as we consider ourselves as being witnesses of Christ, we understand that we, of our own volition, cannot change the heart or the mind of men. Nothing I can say, nothing I can physically do will, will change anyone in this matter of the gospel. And therefore, many use this as an excuse to not go and witness. Many say, well, I, it won't make any difference if I go or not. I can't change their hearts. I can't change their minds. Others are, are fearful to go. Some are, are fearful, fearing rejection from the people they visit, fearing rebuke from some. Sometimes people will chew you out for knocking on their door or, or coming to their home. Some fear embarrassment. Others fear ridicule. But Jesus warned us about this. He warned us that we would not be readily received in this world. In John chapter 15 and verse 19, we read, If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. And, and by and large, the people of this world do not desire our message. They don't want to know what we have to tell them. But that is not a consideration in this matter of being a witness for Christ. 
Still others don't feel that they have the knowledge of Scripture or the understanding of, of, of God's grace to, to go and, and, and tell other people. So they don't go. They do not witness. But to all of these things, I must remind us tonight that it is God that does the saving. It is the Holy Spirit that convicts. And the Holy Spirit can change the heart of a man. And the Holy Spirit can change the mind of a person. So we go and we witness. And it is God that changes their hearts and their minds. It is God that saves those whom he has chosen and those that he has, has determined to save. Um, we are only the medium by which the gospel is preached. And we might feel that we're unworthy and undeserving of such an honor as to go forth and preach the gospel. And I would, dis I would agree with you wholeheartedly, we are unworthy. We, we don't deserve this great privilege that God has given us to be the oracles of God, to go forth and preach the gospel in his name. Yet, nonetheless... We are the vehicle by which the gospel is transported to the world. So we must go. We must go in order for the gospel to be preached. Remember, the gospel, the preaching of the gospel is vital to the salvation of the hearts of men. In Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 15, we read, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Now, I've known some people with some pretty ugly feet. I've seen some feet that would scare the ugly off an ape, I'm telling you. But the Bible says, beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel. And we need a bunch of beautiful-footed people in our church. We need to go. Now, tonight I would like to examine this matter of being a witness for Christ by reminding us of three things concerning the witness, the, the, concerning God's command to us to go. Three things I want to discuss. First, tonight, I'd like to examine the prescription for our witness. The prescription for our witness. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 28. Just, a, just three gospels forward. Matthew chapter 28. And we're going to read one verse. Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 19. If I can get there. There we go. Matthew 28, 19. Here we, we see the words of our Savior. He says, Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. When I am ill, I go to the doctor. And the doctor gives me orders. Orders that will resolve my illness. These orders are called, what? Prescriptions. The doctor will prescribe a therapy. He'll prescribe a course of action to take in order that you might recover from your illness. 
These prescriptions are designed to give us health. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, we read a moment ago that, and Jesus stated, ye shall be witnesses unto me. He didn't say, if you feel like it, you could be witnesses unto me. He didn't even say, you might be witnesses unto me. He stated directly, ye shall be witnesses unto me. This is an emphatic statement, and it denotes a direct command, an authoritative mandate, if you will. And in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 19, we just read, Jesus said, go ye, therefore. Now, there is no latitude in this directive. Jesus didn't give us any wiggle room. It's not open to interpretation. It's a directive. It's a mandate. It's a command. Now, if this is a command, and I think we would all agree that it is, then why are we not obeying it? When I was in the military, if I was given an order, there were consequences for not obeying that order. The only time I could disobey an order in the military is if that order would put myself... No one could order me to die. If a commander gave me an order to go do something that would peril my life, I had a right to refuse that order. I didn't have to, I didn't have to do that. An officer cannot command you to put your life in... To, to commit suicide, to kill yourself. But any other order, if I disobeyed, I faced consequences for that. Now, God has commanded us. It's a mandate. He said, you, you are going to be my witnesses. He said, go ye. So we have a command tonight. We have a command to be witnesses for Christ. Now, what is the result of disobeying the Lord? Generally, when I preach, I don't, I don't like to go in negative directions. I don't like to give negative points. I like to always focus on the positive points. But I really believe that we as a church body need to understand the consequences of our failure as a church to go forth and be witnesses for Christ. What is the result of disobedience? Well, first, it arouses God's anger. When we fail to obey the Lord, it arouses God's anger. God becomes angry when his children do not obey. Any of you parents here, any of you ever become angry when your child disobeys you? Huh? Any of you uh, have that consequence? Or are you all just gentle giants who never trouble your children? God becomes angry when we don't obey. Uh, we saw that in Samuel, in, or in Saul's life. But in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 12, and verse 15, the Lord warned the Israelites, concerning having a king. Here's what he said in verse 15. But if ye will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall the hand of the Lord be against you, as it was against your fathers. So we as God's people need to understand when we, as a, as a church, when we disobey the Lord, the Lord's hand is not with us, and not for us, it is against us. And we, we know the consequences of Saul's life in his disobedience. Disobedience arouses God's anger. Secondly, 
Disobedience, it forfeits God's favor. When we disobey, we forfeit God's favor. In the, in the very next chapter of 1 Samuel chapter um, 13 and verse 14, Saul disobeyed God. He disobeyed the Lord. Therefore, listen to the proclamation of the Lord. In verse 14 of chapter 13, But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. I do not want to see our church, I do not want to see my home, I do not want to see myself fall out of God's favor. The, 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 a church such as Berean, it's, it's vital that God's hand of favor be upon us. Why? Why is it so vital? Take a look around you and look at these children. These children, when they become young adults and young parents, they will need a church where they can raise their children. If we as a, as a church body disobey the Lord in such an important area as being a witness for Christ, we will, we will forfeit the favor of God. And without God's favor upon our church, our church is open to the wind. So we must be faithful to obey the Lord in this matter of witnessing for Christ. But another thing, thirdly, when we disobey, it blocks God's blessings. It blocks God's blessings. I'd like for you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 28. We'll do a little turning tonight. It's Sunday night, and our most faithful people are here. All of you should know your way around the Bible. So let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. And I'll begin reading at verse number 15. We read here, But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed shalt thou be in the city, and cursed shalt thou be in the field. Cursed shall be thy basket in thy store. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy land, the increase of thy kind, which is cattle, and the flocks of thy sheep. Cursed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and cursed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation, and rebuke, and all that thou settest thy hand unto for to do, until thou be destroyed, and until thou perish quickly, because of the wickedness of thy doings, whereby, whereby thou hast forsaken me. Some may say, well, you know, that was Old Testament times, and that was a long time ago. Well, God has never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God does not take it kindly when his children disobey him. And we all agree that our being a witness for Christ is a command of the Lord. Therefore, when we fail to obey the Lord, we subject ourselves to these negative aspects of that behavior. Just as your doctor prescribes treatments that will keep you healthy, the health of our church and its individual members will depend upon God's prescriptions to us as found in his word. 
the prescription against all of these negative aspects, all of these illnesses, if you will, is to obey God and his commandments. And without argument, we have been commanded to be a witness for Christ. Therefore, let us obey this command and preach the gospel to all that God brings into our life. So first tonight, as, as witnesses of Christ, we must consider the prescription of our witness. But number two tonight, for just a moment, let us consider the power in our witness. The power in our witness. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, uh, if you still have a marker there, you can go to it. In, in verse 18, Jesus stated, all power has been given unto me. So all the power in heaven has been, has been given to Christ, and God, him, Christ himself is the one that empowers our witness. So we've established that God has clearly commanded all of his children to be a witness of Christ, to go forth and testify of God's grace and mercy. This is a mandate. However, a mandate is worthless unless there is power to back it up, unless there is an authority that will enforce the mandate. Now, if, you, if you're there, look at verse 18 of Matthew chapter 28, and notice that Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now, what do you think he means by the word all? He means all. He has all power. He has power over the universe. You know, I enjoy watching scientific shows. I like, I like watching these, um, how it is made and the universe and all these things. But I really have a hard time anymore watching them because these supposed intelligent men are so ignorant. They're, they're so stupid. By the way, I believe in the Big Bang. I do. I believe there was a tremendous bang. I think God said, let there be light, and bang, there was light. I believe, I believe there was a big bang. I think they're right. But it was God that created the bang. God has all power over the universe. All that we see created falls under his power. He has power over the earth. Uh, I was watching a program the other day, and these, these physics, physicists were saying that the earth right now is in a safe zone. Yeah, it's in a safe zone, all right. God's hand is around it, and he's protecting it. God has power over the earth. He has power, by the way, over man. The reason this morning that I was able to climb out of bed is because God told my heart, you just go ahead and keep on beating. That's why I was able to get up this morning. You understand and realize that your life is in the hand of God? Whether you're, whether you're one of God's elect or you're, you're one, of, one of the lost of this world, everybody's life is in the hands of God, and God determines when we live and when we die. God has power over man, so he has all power. Colossians chapter 1, and verses 16 and 17, we read, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, 
and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. God is the source of all power in the universe. Moses questioned his ability to be able to reason with Pharaoh and the people of Israel. He doubted his, his, his ability, his strength, his, his power to be able to change Pharaoh's mind and cause him to let God's people go. But in Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 through 12, we read, And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or deaf, or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. Maybe tonight you sit here and you say, I, I, just, I just don't think that I have the ability to go out and witness to people. I just don't think that I have, have, the, have the, 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 the grasp of Scripture. I, I just can't, I don't think I can do it. Who do you think made the brain? Who do you think created the mouth? Who made the tongue? It's, the, it's God that did those things. And he said, go, and I will be with you. So we just have to go. We go in his power. It wasn't Moses' Moses's eloquence or his lack thereof. It wasn't by Moses' wisdom. It wasn't by Moses' strength. God was going to deliver his people by his own might, by his own power, and by his own wisdom. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, we read, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. A few years back, there was a big push in this country, especially among the fundamental Baptists. And there was one man in particular, I, I won't use his name, but there was one man in particular who wrote books and made videos and tape recordings and everything else on how to win a soul to Jesus Christ. And people bought those books and bought those cassette tapes by the tens of thousands. And they went into rooms and they memorized a, a series of scriptures and they memorized all of the illustrations and they went out into the, into the streets of, this, this, of our nation and they knocked on the doors of homes and like, a, like a, an army of Amway salesmen, they preached the gospel. By the way, I was one of those. I knew them all. I knew all the verses. I knew all the illustrations. I knew all the points. Point one, point two, point three, point four. Let's pray. No. Point one, point two, point three. And, and persisted until they broke down the will of the individual. Listen, you don't need all that. All you need is the power, the wisdom, and the words of God. That's all we need. That's the power. That's the power in our witness. We can't sidestep God. It is God that sends us. It is Christ that strengthens us. It is the Holy Spirit that enables us. 
Therefore, we go. We go without knowing whether or not we will actually succeed. We go without the surety that anyone will listen to us. We go without the certainty that anyone will even receive us and speak to us. But we go knowing that we have obeyed the command of the Lord. We go knowing that our labor of witnessing is not in vain. We go knowing that God will save those he intends to save. We go without fear because we know that all power rests with Jesus. And in him we can trust and have confidence. In Luke chapter 12 verses 4 and 5 we read, And I say unto you, my friends, Be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him, which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. You know, I just realized something very interesting. Every message I've preached for for pastor, God has weaved this verse into that message. Isn't that telling me something? That's telling me I don't need to fear anyone. The only one I need to fear is God. And folks, that's, that's what drives us. That's, that's the power that sends us out to do that which is not comfortable to flesh. You know, you know, it's not appealing to the flesh to go out and witness. It's not. It's not something we by nature do. I mean, it's not like going to the beach. You, know, you, you wake up your children and say, hey, let's go to the beach. Oh! They blow up the balloons and get the kites and the blankets and everybody's all excited and we go to the beach. Hey! not like that. It's not like going to Disneyland, right? The happiest place on earth. Huh? You wake up in the morning and tell your kids, hey, come on, let's go out soul winning. Let's go out and witness for Jesus. What? You crazy, Dan? Because it's not appealing. But we go. We go with the power of Christ. So we've, we've looked tonight at the prescription for our witness. We looked at the power in our witness. And now, lastly tonight, I'd like to consider this, the propagation through our witness. The propagation through our witness. If you're still at Matthew chapter 28, look at verse 20. Teaching them. Now, first, first he tells us to go, and he tells us to go with his power. But there's a, there's a purpose for going, and that's in verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Propagation, what is that? Well, in Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and the first part of 28, God explains propagation to us. He said, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. I could stop and say something, but I won't. Verse 28, and God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Be fruitful and multiply. That's propagation. It's the multiplication. It's adding to, in the case of our, soul, uh, our witness for Christ, it's adding to the church. It's, it's growing the church. That's why in verse 20 he says, teaching them. Now, how are you going to teach them unless they continue with you? The church is a living creation of God. And as a living creation of God, it must grow in order to be healthy. A church that is not growing 
is a church that is dying. Think about your family tree for a moment. How is a family tree perpetualized? Through propagation. Right? My father had two sons. That furthered his, his branch of the family tree. My brother has a son. and My son needs to make sure that my branch continues to go forward. But this is, this is how a family tree grows. This is how it, it, it perpetuates itself in life. It's, it's by, it's by the, the, the propagation of, of each generation. Each, gener- each generation continues forth by the offspring born to it. And the act of witnessing for Christ will undoubtedly produce proselytes. These we call converts. These proselytes, by God's will are added unto the church. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 47, the latter part of the verse, we read, And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now, once again, God has chosen that this propagation will take place via our witness. He could have chosen any method that he desired to further the church, but it is by the witness of his children that the gospel is propagated. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, we read, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. And then in verse 21 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul states, For after that in the wisdom of God... The world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. What a privilege it is to be given the most important ministry by God himself. The ministry of evangelism. The work of witnessing for Christ. What is more wonderful than the birth of a child? That's just just an incredible thing. To, to, to see new life come into this world, it's so exciting. And that's what happens to the church when we are faithful witnesses and new, new people are added to the church. With them, they bring, they bring life, they bring excitement. And that ex- life and excitement spreads to, to all of the church. When there's, no, when there's no life in the church, when there's, nothing, when there's no new people coming in, things begin to get stagnant and things begin to deteriorate. And as a church, we need, we need this, this growth. We need to be witnesses for Christ for, for, if no other reason, to propagate the church. Nothing brings more joy, more excitement, more energy, more health to a church than the propagation experienced through our witness for Christ. In not too many weeks, we will launch a visitation campaign here at the church. We will go into our community, and we will witness for Christ among our neighbors. Now, we have done this before, but I have to wonder if we really had the right motives and the right desires, or if we were just doing something that we felt was important, but didn't have a real 
a real understanding and a real, a real burden to do it, to be a witness, to go out and to preach the gospel. So I pray that all of us, each one of us will heed all of the messages that we have heard from Pastor Smith over the past few weeks. And I pray that we will continue to listen to the preaching as, that he gives as we approach that day when we all go out together into the community and, and witness for Christ. And then I pray that we will all go forth as witnesses for Christ, not only on that date, but every day, in every place, at every opportunity, with passion, with concern, with confidence, that we will be witnesses for Christ. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for the great privilege that you've given us, the privilege to tell those in our community of your great love, of your grace, of your mercy, the opportunity to involve ourselves in, in the work of evangelism. And Lord, I know that it's, it's the single hardest thing to do. As a, as a believer, the hardest thing is to, the most uncomfortable thing is to go forth and go out and witness for Christ. But Father, you've Lord, you've prescribed this as, 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 a, as a mandate for the church. And, and you've empowered us, Lord. You've given us the power to go and, and, and to do the, and to witness. And, and Lord, we, we understand and we know that this is how your church will grow. This is how it will be propagated. This is how the gospel will spread across this globe. It's through your children witnessing for you. So I pray you'd give us all courage and strength and wisdom. And I pray you'd use this message tonight to convict our hearts for the need to be a witness for Christ. Thank you for this time we've had together. I pray you'd bless it now in Jesus' name. Amen.